Welcome to the Time Lords podcast. We go beyond the buzzwords to learn exactly how people are building the industrial internet of things and using time series data to transform their businesses. I'm your host, Lonnie Bowling. Today, I'm super excited to have my good friend, Rob Raceman, on the show. He's the owner of Raceman Enterprises. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Good, good. Well, welcome to the show. And uh, for our listeners that might not know you, I know that would be hard to believe because I can't imagine anybody not knowing about you at this point. But anyway, <laughs> for those that don't know know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I've been working uh, in the in the OSI soft world since about 1996. So mm-hmm. I'm probably one of the the more experienced Pi people around. Um, and I build myself as a, as a full stack Pi guy. So um, I can, you know, I've done everything from the low level, you know, interface work mm-hmm. and installations on up to enterprise deployments, worldwide deployments and stuff like that. Uh, and also, you know, with the hackathons and everything, everybody knows I do a lot of programming as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, anything from anything from flipping the bits and, and bytes in the Modbus interface to, uh, you know, sending stuff into Kafka and doing all kinds of enterprise grade stuff. Uh, I kind of enjoy it all. Uh, kind of just my just in time learning, you know, whatever people need, <laughs> I kind of figure out how to do it. Sure. So that's kind of been my forte. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think one of the cool things that uh, I, I think what impresses me about uh, you is, you know, you have that you have a long time span. That you've been working in the industry 20 plus years, but you also, um, you know, you're you, you stay you're staying at a level where you're, you're really engaged with the technology, um, working on real solutions for customers, uh, doing a lot of, you know, doing a lot of hands on work. You're not, um, you know, there, there are some people that, that move into more of a consulting role. Maybe they're just, you know, I'm just going to figure it out. Somebody else can do it, but you're actually in there doing this stuff and uh, always learning new stuff. Um, so I think that's, I really, I really like that. Um, and, and I've always been impressed with you um, about that because it just seems like um, as, as I don't know if, if, if you feel this way, but as you, as you've been in the industry for a long time and you keep learning new things, eventually you kind of feel like, well, maybe I should just stop learning new things. It's like kind of like getting tired of <laughs> learn something new all the time. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I always, I always think that, you know, you should be able to f- figure something out and then you'd be able to go, you know, stamp it out at a bunch of different customers. But it seems like every time you talk to somebody, everybody's got unique problems and yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I'm always on the learning curve for something, but that's, you know, that's part of the game for me and I just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I enjoy learning new things. Actually, I get bored if I'm, if I'm doing it for the third or fourth time, uh, I don't enjoy that as much. I like having something that I don't know how to do yet and going and figuring it out. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I know that, and we we're talking a little bit before the show and in the past that, that some of the new stuff you've been doing is, is pretty interesting. It's, uh, you know, you want to tell us a little bit about maybe some of the newer, newer technologies that you've been kind of uh, messing with a little bit and, and what you've been yeah. trying to do? Yeah, so I've gotten involved um, actually with the local electric company, which was my first employer. Um, and it's really interesting because the manager I'm working for, I actually hired 20 years ago. So uh, <laughs> fortunately, I was nice enough to him that he still talks to me. Yeah, never, uh, never. Oh, by the way, if anybody's listening to this podcast, never, never piss people off or, or make people <laughs> angry in this industry because you will one day. Yeah, it's a small world. <laughs> it's much it smaller is a than small you world. Think. 
but yeah, so a couple of years ago, we were at the OSI Soft Conference actually, and uh, he was looking at the IoT space, and you know, his specific situation was that he had uh, he had some monitoring equipment that they wanted to go put in switch yards. So they've got you know transformers and switch gear and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that you know blows up periodically, and when it does, it costs over a million dollars to fix. Okay. Um, and the you know the mentality over the years, it, it, just because it was so hard to monitor these things, you had to send people around to manually take readings and stuff like that. Is you know like so many things, it was run till failure, right? Mm-hmm. And that's part of the culture. And uh, they realized that that's just not the way to do things anymore. And they wanted to put in some monitoring equipment. Um, but the problem that they have is that you know the the SCADA system for the energy management system um, is it's the most expensive control system they operate right on a on a per point basis, and it's got all these NERC SIP requirements and it's mm-hmm. you know critical infrastructure you can't afford to you can't afford to mess it up and right. so you know the operations folks are there to operate the equipment uh, not to collect information for maintaining it right right. Um, so, you know, doing the traditional ITOT integration, which is the stuff we've done in the Pi world for years, right? We we were basically initially getting operational data because mm-hmm. it was whatever was in the control system, we were bringing it out right. and we were getting it out of the control room so everybody could see it. Yep. But these days, you know, with sensors being cheaper and communications being cheaper and everything else, it makes sense to start instrumenting a lot of these large, you know, pieces of equipment that, uh, you know, are expensive when they fail and that have been historically very difficult to maintain. Um, you know, just having the situational awareness, it just wasn't easy to do it. Right. Um, but these days it is. And so he was looking uh, just from necessity at, at building out a separate network for, for uh, collecting this data. So, you know, fundamentally different from the ITOT integration we've always done where the equipment was already there mm-hmm. and just nobody was collecting the data from it. This is brand new equipment and it's more equipment than you want to put in that you than you want to integrate into your control system. And you don't want to deal with all the, you know, high level security requirements right. and the change management and, you know, uh, and really just the operational critical criticality like you don't want to be messing things up you don't want to be the guy that took out the SCADA system because you were putting a a gas analyzer on a transformer so he was looking for a way to build out this separate network and it just so happened at the time that OSIsoft had just invested in this company called Dynomic that was building a uh, that was building an open source um, system for this and so when you look at these iot frameworks um if you're familiar with the pi system and what the interfaces do right you Mm -hmm. you know you put the interface it interfaces with the control system it buffers data so when Mm -hmm. there's you know no connection to the pi server or whatever it'll it'll buffer the data and then it forwards the data so that's a very kind of simplistic uh, you know, IOT system. Uh, but, you know, there were things over the years that people wanted to do with these interfaces that OSI kind of started to do. And then we, we you know, it kind of lost, uh, lost that ability. Like, I don't know if you remember Stream Insight. Yeah, you know, I remember you, that, yeah. Queries on the data mm-hmm. and you could transform the data and do things with it as it was coming in. Mm-hmm. And so you could build this distributed network, right? Well, these, these edge computing platforms, these IOT platforms, 
um, allow you to do that. So, you know, it's the basic interface. It, it interfaces with the equipment. It collects the data. Mm -hmm. But then it's got all this edge processing capabilities. So you can filter the data. You can transform the data. You can forward the data to multiple different places, and it, it'll buffer the data. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a logical continuation in a lot of ways of what we've been doing over the years. Mm -hmm. um, but the neatest thing about it is, you know, this little framework is built in Linux. Um, and so you can, you can put it in Docker containers. And mm -hmm. so I've actually got it just running. Uh, they have Cisco Cat 9300 switches, these industrial switches that run Cisco IOX, mm -hmm. which is their uh, IoT framework, you know, or their IoT hosting platform, right? Right. Uh, so I basically run these these Docker containers on the Cisco switches, and so these Cisco switches <laughs> wow. that were already part of the network, uh -huh. they've got Intel Xeon processors, so they're more powerful than you know most of us throughout our careers have had available to us. That's um, amazing. And yeah, you just spin these little Docker containers up, you deploy them to the you deploy them to the switches and you spin them up and they start collecting data. And, you know, like I said, they can transform the data. You can do edge analytics. Um, you can look for, you know, events happening. You can detect events and do things when the events happen. Uh, so it's a, it's a really flexible framework and uh, it's open source. And I think the most exciting thing now is that they're, they're actually part of the Linux Edge Foundation. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've gotten to get involved in that open source world, which is, you know, I mean, I've done open source stuff for a while, but uh -huh. I haven't really ever been involved at this level with any of it, you know, other wow. in the past, it's always just been a user. So, so, so with this, with this, you know, that, that's a pretty awesome uh, solution. Actually, you're, you're one of the few people I've met that, that have been doing stuff like this. So, and I think that, you know, what's your... I, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot that, um, I want to ask you here, but I, but I think one of the things that you brought up here was kind of interesting in that, you know, you're talking about the SCADA systems and how we're kind of this OTIT integration where we're, we're, we're really kind of like piggybacking on top of something that was already there. And the assumption is, is we're, we're, we're going to get our data basically from these control systems, but the control systems are, are kind of built for a specific reason, right? They're, they're, yep. they're there to control the equipment. They're there for, uh, like you said, there's, I think the great point that you brought out there, how they're more secure in a lot of cases, uh, messing with the control system, modifying it, doing anything with it is going to be hard. Uh, but, but by what you did there in this, on this particular project, how you were able to take new sensors or put sensors in that weren't there, or maybe they were, I don't, they, were they new sensors or new instrumentation? Yeah, this okay. is actually new instrumentation okay. that we're putting on there. Yeah, and that could be done kind of like outside of the whole control system. So you're now you're you're out of that world, and you know you're not gonna have to worry about like taking the equipment down or or creating a vulnerability or something, right? And uh, and then and then leveraging this this open source uh, technology built on IIoT or I, IoT, the Internet of Things. Um, that that has been that's basically their story, right? They usually want to monitor stuff. Um, that's they're not really interested maybe in controlling. They're more like you know, hey, we're going to read meters. We're going to uh, you know collect sensor sen sensor information or whatever. That's like usually when you're talking to IoT, that's 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 what you're you're dealing with. So so I guess um, I mean, what are your thoughts on where this is headed? Because we know like OSI Soft has 
uh, kind of been going through some transition, a transition period here of some sort to something. You know, Aviva bought them. Um, they're still maintained. Uh, the Pi system still, as today, is still on its own, you know, uh, a complete system. But but, but you don't really see, I mean, I don't really see them doing this, this, this kind of work as much as there's, they, to me, it feels like they're still kind of like uh, building a complete system and they, and that, you know, use the Pi system for everything where you, you're kind of like, hey, uh, we're going to um, use open source stuff. We're going to, you know, basically go look out, go, go look out in the world and see what, what kind of technologies there are, are maybe can be utilized in, 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 in what you want to do. So what are your thoughts? I mean, how is this gonna, you know, if you had a crystal ball and looking five, 10 years in the future, what do you think, it, what do you think the world's gonna look like when it comes to typical projects? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. There's, there's several things I've kind of discovered as I've worked on this. So one of the things I've discovered is that, you know, there's IoT stuff everywhere, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. got an IoT platform and, and an IoT offering and all of that. Um, but one of the really, so one of the things that you don't think about, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm working with a manufacturer of some solar equipment who ran into this, that they built a bunch of stuff with the AWS cloud, you know, IoT mm -hmm. uh, platform. And, uh, and that was all fine until they got to the point where they were working in an environment that was, uh, you know, they, they were working on systems that got big enough that NERC SIP became an issue. And so they went to go deploy or they deployed their stuff at a site. And then the, the owner of the site said, well, hey, wait a minute, this isn't cool. This doesn't, you know, <laughs> this, <laughs> this isn't NERC SIP uh, compliant. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so uh, at that point, you know, like, okay, you, you've got this generic platform, but you don't have a community of people uh, working on it in the industrial space or in the, in, you know, in the uh, energy space. Mm -hmm. You know, so they were kind of kind of stuck there, um, didn't really know where to turn. And, and luckily enough, uh, so, one, you know, one of my clients, I do work for this company, you know, they they referred the, the solar manufacturer to me um, and said, hey, this guy, you know, he works with the Pi system and all that and NERC SIP stuff and all that. So he kind of understands that space and, you know, he can probably help you find a solution. Um, but that's one of the things that I think is critical and, you know, it, and it's one of the things that like OSI Soft's always had going for it is the community of users, you know, like you go to the, you go to the users conference and you mm -hmm. see all these other people in similar industries or in your industry that are using it and doing things. And so that sharing of information, that kind of tribal knowledge that grew up out of that, you know, that that doesn't go away that need for that doesn't go away so just because there's all these different offerings out there mm -hmm. you know most of them are going to be things that yeah maybe you can build something really quick and get it running but when you go to you know operate in your space under the constraints and all that it helps to have that community of other people who are also operating in your space and so that's why you know when, I, when we were looking at this originally and we're like well you know iiot like that's a dime a dozen there's so many different offerings and there's so many different things um but building something up in the industrial space that's kind of the space that you and i understand because we've we've lived in it for years now mm -hmm. um it, it's kind of a unique thing. And so I think that there, there will be some balkanization of these platforms where, you know, there's going to be certain ones that different industries or different communities prefer. Um, and that the features and the development and all of that stuff is kind of going to be driven by that community. Right. Mm -hmm. so. 
like one of the things that I hope is that more, more and more, you know, electric utilities and water utilities and all that start using this stuff so that we can kind of pool resources. Um, you know, uh, I think right now, like the framework, there's a basic framework and it does a lot of what you want to do. Um, another thing is like uh, one of the like one of the things that's been unique to OSI Soft, I think, is like putting the the tools in the hands of the engineers. So, I mean, I work with all sorts of mechanical and chemical engineers who are not programmers, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they're not IT folks, they're not programmers, they mm -hmm. don't want to sit and program, but they have analytical needs and things that they need to be able to do. And so having something that's configurable, that's always been the, that's always been the thing in our community, right? Is that they prefer something that's configurable to something that you have to sit and write some code for. Right. Um, and then you run into the limitation that when you're using some of the proprietary platforms that they're, you know, they're always going to offer you some sort of API or SDK or some sort of interface or some sort of extensibility, but how does it going to do everything you need it to do or what limitations are you going to run into or what are they going to support? Um, you know, I, I think you're still going to need, you're still going to need a lot of the configurable, a lot of the stuff that maybe only a proprietary company would sit down and develop because most of the geeks don't want to sit and do that detail work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the kind of monotonous detail work of building a good UI and, you know, doing all the things to make it supportable and, right. you know, easy for, for people who aren't programmers to use. Um, and then the open source community is probably going to be good at doing the kind of groundbreaking stuff or the, you know, the expansion, the stuff that geeks find challenging, right? Right. Um, that's the, probably the part we're going to be good at doing. But, you know, there's always going to be kind of that need for the bread and butter stuff that you're going to have to pay somebody to do. So I kind of think there's, there's going to be a good, um, you know, there's still going to be commercial opportunities, but I, I think having like a closed source product you know, that companies are going to be more and more encouraged to, number one, adopt open source platforms that already exist or mm -hmm. include them in their platforms, um, but also to kind of open up their stuff just because, you know, the lack of extensibility or the limits of extensibility are going to become maybe a little more, uh, a little more apparent to people, you know, after they've worked in the, in the open source world a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, if you look at kind of like if you if you look at the contrast between um, you know OSI Soft Pi system and and similar types of systems that are out there now um, and have been versus like open source technologies, um, open source technologies are seem to be very focused on solving specific problems, right? So like if we look at something like Kafka, um, which I you know I did a show um, with somebody from Confluent. Uh, Kai Warner, that he talked a lot about Kafka and the things it can do, the amazing things it can do, and how it, how it could be a key component in the uh, you know industry 4.0, the future. And um, but the thing about Kafka is, it's not the it's not the tool that your uh, your engineers and your users or anybody like that. It's not going to be a configurable type of thing. It's it's really like a it's like a programmer technology. You know, you're you're you know, it's like a database technology. You really have to kind of like you know, guys like us can get in there and do something with it, but the, your average, uh, you know, uh, engineer that's that's responsible for running their their uh, their equipment or maintaining their equipment or whatever it might be, optimizing it, they're not necessarily going to be too interested in in learning Kafka, you know, because it's not it's not that kind yeah. of a tool, right? Yep. 
Well, and as part of our IoT stuff, uh, Kafka is kind of our service bus. So all the yeah. IoT stuff publishes, it publishes into Kafka, and then we, we configure the consumers. And so one of the things you find out, of course, you can just you can just fire up a Kafka Docker container, or you can you can fire up Kafka for free and get playing with it and do all kinds of stuff with it. But at some point, you decide that okay, if I get to the point where I'm going to be uh, relying on this piece of software, I need support, right? Mm -hmm. You know what happens Friday night when this goes down and. I don't want to spend the whole weekend trying to figure out what's going on because I'm not a Kafka expert or, you know, I'm, I'm only marginally good at Kafka. Right. Uh, so there's always going to be the commercial companies, you know, and I mean, we already see that with Linux, right? Like you, you can go to Canonical and get a support contract to help you with your Linux systems, or you could go to, you know, Red Hat in mm -hmm. Enterprise Linux or anything like that. So, you know, there's free Linux and then there's the, the paid the paid Linux that you're going to get, you're, you're paying for support. Right. Right. Um, and so that's the way I see the, I mean, that's the way Dynomic has done it. They've got Fledge, which is the, that's the Linux edge foundation, mm -hmm. uh, you know, free version of it. And then they've got fog lamp, which is the licensed version that you pay for. And, and, you know, just like a lot of the, the premium type things, uh, you know, you, you get like a management platform and some other things to help you run a, an enterprise scale, you know, deployment, but right. also the support. Yeah. So, you know, other than, rather than, you know, there's always going to be community support and I guess you could get on stack exchange or something on Friday night and post, sure. Hey, my system just crashed, <laughs> but it, it's a lot nicer if you've got somebody that you're paying, that's actually going to, you know, that's actually on the hook to get something done. Yeah. And, and you know, large companies are, are going to look at that, look at it com completely different than a small, you know, smaller, smaller organizations might, um, those problems become, you know, the risk around, um, you know, a system going down and, and what is that going to mean? Where do you, where do you, how do you have to scale it? All these different, the problems can definitely vary, you know, from company to company, depending on what they're, what they're doing. Uh, so it is, it is, I think another thing that struck me when you're, when you're talking or, or a thought I had was, you know, so we have we have kind of like this open source uh, technologies that we've seen um, in different different places, and we've seen kind of how that story unfolds a little bit. But we're like you said, we're a little bit different in the industrial space because we're we're kind of an established, uh, you know, uh, established technologies and entities and 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 communities uh, of people, you know thinking a certain way and then that that necessarily so so these two worlds don't necessarily match up very well right now and you know what what i guess um you know what would you like to see you know companies you know like you know osi soft now they, they've got kind of like a new beginning to me it seems like they've got they've got kind of a chance to you know uh, with uh with new ownership to, to kind of like forge off in a direction maybe that they haven't before. So, so what would be, you know, if you're going to be, you know, uh, if they're going to like pay you a lot of money to come in and tell them what to do, what would you, what would you uh, tell them? Like, you know, hey well, like, guys. You know, like I said, the primary value, you know, like why would you, why would you pick the pie system these days when there's, there's other places, there's other things that you could do that would be cheaper, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like there's always going to be a, a, there's always going to be somebody undercutting you or there's always going to be some sort of free offering in today's world. Mm -hmm. um, so what is it that you offer is, you know, the, the community that you've built, <laughs> the, 
the experience of your people, you know, and, and maybe they go and they work and, you know, because they've got, they've got specialists who've worked in pulp and paper for years and the electric industry for years and pharmaceutical for years. Um, and the support, you know, that, uh, that when you call them at three o'clock in the morning that you, you get an engineer on the phone, you're not mm-hmm. just calling a, you know, like a call center. Right. Right. So there's always going to be a market for that. And I think that the companies that, realize that that's really what they're selling that the you know the bits the bits there's definitely value in that um you know but that there's always going to be there's always going to be a free alternative these days um you know any of the anything that's going to be a a good uh a good market that's going to have a large enough market is going to have some sort of an open source community mm-hmm. um so you know you just have to I, I, I can see, you know, it's got to be difficult when you've got a, a product that's made so much money in the past right. and has been so successful. You know, it, it's got to be hard to kind of give up some of the things that have been, you know, for things that you can do for sure. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the world's definitely going to change and there, there is going to be pressure. You know, the, the stuff is going to be commoditized a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have to find what, what your added value is and you know, and, and really take advantage of that. So, so your, so your thought is really like, uh, you know, the being a, um, an established entity that can support the community. They understand the, uh, the, the people that are trying to get things done. They're going to be there to, uh, to help them however they need to stay, stay connected and communicating with them, uh, you know, is, is going to be critical then that's, that's really kind of yeah. what they, they need to well, be, you know, should be like focused on not. <laughs> and the, also like curating the yeah. tools and the graphical interfaces and all that stuff mm-hmm. that enable, you know, uh, so on the dynamic calls it the no code engineer. Right. So, I mean, their, their idea is that you could, you should be able to pick up their framework and, you know, interface with some equipment and send some data somewhere mm-hmm. and do some filtering and all that, you should be able to figure out, you should be able to figure that out without having to, you know, be like a C++ programmer right. or a Python programmer. And so, you know, that's the thing is in the open source world, a lot of times the tools are still pretty raw, mm-hmm. right? They get it working, they concentrate on the interesting problems. Uh, they're not necessarily as good at building the effective user interface and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be value, even if you're taking open source tools, you know, are the kind of the heart of your product. There's always going to be some premium features and things that you could, you know, you can make money developing and supporting, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's uh I mean, you know, my, uh, my business model is just in doing the consulting around this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm reasonably ag- agnostic, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever my customers come up with or want to support or whatever, I, I go figure it out. So there's always going to be value in doing that. It's, uh, not necessarily immensely scalable and <laughs> could, like we've talked about, it's hard work. You're always on the learning curve, right? I know, I know, man. It's um, crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the day, maybe to a certain extent, the days of, you know, coming up with one product and just stamping out millions of copies of it and making a fortune off of it are not, not going to be, you know, that, that, that economy of scale stuff doesn't make you as much money as it used to. Right. Um, yeah. And that you have to focus more on the, the more individual, you know, the more individual things and the things that are harder to do to make, make the money. Yeah. You know, part of, one of the things that I, that I've heard a few times now, um, you know, when, when kind of like talking to people, 
that are you know at the IT level in a in a in a company. So these are larger companies, and they're thinking about you know what are what's our uh, data infrastructure going to look like uh, in the future? What are we what are we trying to do? Um, and Pi's typically you know in there already uh, has been used, but they're but the IT people look at it and they kind of think well they, they, I think I think sometimes it's viewed as a as a proprietary legacy product, right? And they're they're kind of like, yeah, I don't know if we really want it. Do we really want to like keep 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 with Pi? You know, sh- we should maybe do something else. And so one of the one of the things that I hear ha- in this conversation that that uh, that happens seems like more and more frequently, and I'm always kind of like, oh man, <laughs> are they going to nuke their Pi system? It's like that's a huge investment, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's like man, that's that's major. And I don't, well, know, I don't know that they know how major it is, but what they say, this is what gets me, is what they say, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. And so go, well, you know, we, we use Microsoft or we use AWS um, for our cloud solutions. So let's just bring everything up into, the, into Microsoft or into AWS. Let's just bring it all up there and get our programmers because IT, you know, they like to write code and they like to do a lot of programming. And so now you're in this whole new world of, you know, these people that are talking about, like, let's migrate everything to the cloud and let's standardize on Microsoft or Amazon, you know, and uh, and uh, let's get a lot of programmers right. working on it. And it's like, well, that's... <laughs> like, I always look at it like, <laughs> you know, it's the 80-20 thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to spend... They're going to spend 80% of their time taking care of the easy 20%. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's always so easy to underestimate the amount of time and energy and knowledge that has been encoded in the tools that you're using, right? Like it, it would be like saying, oh, we're going to get rid of Microsoft Excel because there's a free spreadsheet we can use. And all, all we have to do is translate all those spreadsheets that anybody's ever developed that the company relies on over the last 30 years. Uh-huh. All we have to do is transfer those over to the other one and it'll all work, right? Right. Um, because it's the same thing. It's like, well, it's like getting rid of process book and data link and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you, you know, when, if you've ever done any kind of an upgrade project or something where you have to modify all the process books, mm-hmm. uh, I've got a customer, it's funny because we did it two years ago, we consolidated a bunch of their Pi systems. And so we told everybody, you know, send us your process books and we're going to process them, you know, so they'll work mm-hmm. on the new system. And, you know, it's been like two or three years since we did that. And he still gets people sending him new <laughs> process books, <laughs> you know, that like it's something that somebody hadn't used in three years, but now all of a sudden it's yeah. absolutely critical. It's absolutely critical that they, they're able to use that process book right now. Yeah. And there's just so many things like that, that, you know, people massively underestimate like just the amount of knowledge that's been encoded in the tools that we use, you know, look at VBA, right? Like everybody hates, like all the IT folks hate VBA, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many better ways of doing things, right. everything, but it was accessible to users yeah. and they could do it. And the big thing was, is, you know, it's, it's just like with the open source stuff, like, okay, well I can go download all sorts of free open source tools. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's the, what's the, what is the uh, the limiting factor now is that is you, you have to have the knowledge, you have to have enough people with enough knowledge to implement it and make it work, right? Right. And that's the thing is there's never enough of that. Um, yeah. You know, so I mean, you just there's all these tools and you know there's there's 
I, and I think this is one of the things like the, the OSI soft thing really keys in on, you know, with the, the analytics and the AF and everything being graphical and being configurable is it's kind of like VBA in that, you know, you can set the users free. Yeah. They can sit down and do the stuff. They're not waiting to talk to somebody in IT, right? Right. Um, because that always happens. I mean, every time they do something, every time they try and do something like this, you know, they go, oh, you know, just put in a ticket to get this done and you put in the ticket and six months later, that ticket's still sitting there or, you know, more than likely somebody deleted the ticket mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have to go, you have to go pull up your email of the ticket. I Dang see, it. I did create this email. Ticket. I got the, e or I did create the ticket. I got the email back. Crap. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that always becomes the bottleneck of anything mm -hmm. that requires an IT person to program. There's only so many of those hours available, yeah. and it's never enough hours to actually make the business run. Um, and so, if you don't enable your your typical worker to, you know, if you don't give them the tools to do it, um, and I, I think that's the thing with most of these things is that, yeah, you know, you think you're going to get eighty percent of it. Uh, or you're going to get most of it fairly easy and you just totally underestimate all the little onesie twosie things that are critical, right? That, you know, are absolutely critical to the business operating that somebody implemented, you know, that you don't even know about. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, this, this, uh, you know, I, I think this is a, this is a really good point to bring out is that is the enablement part of there of, of this where, you know, if, to get the adoption of any technology, right? There has to be a certain, I guess, it, it, and, and whatever the technology is, there has to be this sweet spot where the people that really need that technology are able to to use it in a, in a fairly straightforward way that's not gonna not gonna overly burden them. Because if they do, you know, like like you said, if, if, if the level of entry to the game is gonna be, you need to write some code in, you know, C Sharp or Python or whatever, then that's going to exclude a lot of people, right? Yeah. And um, but if but if but if if you take something that's been successful, like you know, like Process Book, as much as OSI Softs would love for it never to be in existence anymore, <laughs> you know, that's probably like one of their most successful products they've ever had. And yeah, and, and AF, there's millions yeah, of man yeah. years invested in Process yeah. Books. And, I mean, there's got to be millions of man years. And you know why is that, right? I think it's because the people that that needed. Uh, to have the solutions, they were they were enabled and empowered to be able to provide those solutions through that technology, yep. right? And it was and it was at a level that uh, their investment returned the value, you know, that they were that they were hoping for or more. And so they didn't have to like invest a huge amount and then just get back a little bit or get frustrated. And you know, they were able to basically adopt it quickly, and then that that kind of allowed allowed that to happen so i think in in whatever we're looking at right if we always go ask well who's who's going to be the who who is this focused at who's who's going to be the users of it and can they actually can they actually use that technology or are they gonna have to go hire people to use <laughs> to do it for right, them yeah. because you know it's going to be a lot yeah, different what's, what's more cost effective right yeah. the free solution that you're chemical engineer who's the subject matter expert on your process has to work with uh IT person to write the code or the $100,000 tool that the chemical engineer can sit down and implement by, by themselves, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's always going to be value in building those tools. Um, and I don't think that that building those tools or making the interfaces is going to be the exciting part that most people that are going to volunteer to do open source type stuff are going to want to do, right? Yeah. 
because uh, it's a lot of detail work and and uh, and you know like I mean I just saw in the Linux world it was you know Linux desktops have gotten pretty decent you know but mm-hmm. it took a long time for that to happen right mm-hmm. I mean it took a really long time for yeah. that to happen just because it was more fun to work on the kernel you know if you're a geek that's inclined to do that kind of stuff it's more fun to work on some of the basic technologies and you know. Uh, the nuts and bolts of things than it is to sit down and you know meticulously build a, a nice graphical user interface and do the, the the user testing and making sure that people you know the, all the paradigms make sense to most users and things like that. I mean that's just a lot of kind of detailed, tedious kind of work that mm-hmm. you know you only do when you're getting paid to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. So so, so I think in summary, then we would say that, hey, don't forget about your your community, you know, make sure that you're not uh, losing the people that got you here, basically, you know. Yep, and, and, tribal and, knowledge. Yeah, I mean, that tribal right. knowledge is, is crucial. Yeah. Right. And uh, and the new technology is going to be new, and it's going to be different, and, and it's going to, you know, solve problems that haven't been able to be solved before. But but make make sure that that level of engagement, you know, where, where you can – the enablement that, that's going to happen, right? You're enabling a certain group of people to do something. It has to be sufficient. That that bar needs to be sufficiently low to to get adoption. Because if, if people look at it and they're kind of like confused, it's too complicated. Uh, I don't know what to do with this. Whatever it is, if if if, if they have more questions than answers, and they, and there's not some like story there then they're likely like going to pass. Right. And then it's yep. going to, and then it's going to go up into the IT world or wherever. And, 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 and those people are kind of like, uh, uh, we'll just build it ourselves. You know, we're just going to get a bunch of, we're going to hire a bunch of people and we're going to build it. And that I think is a mistake too, when there's a lot of value here. And, and it's like you said, you know, and I think here's another key element. Like, so any customers that OSI soft has that are only using historian, those users can be more easily pilfered because it's not quite as hard to just implement another historian. Right. Mm -hmm. But the users that have been using AF and I've got, you know, like one of my clients who spent the last few years just training up a bunch of engineers and they've got an army of mechanical and chemical engineers that have just gone nuts with AF. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not that easy to rip that out and replace it now. Right. Right. Um, they're getting a lot of value out of it uh, because they're, you know, again, a chemical engineer can sit down and do what they need to do um, and solve the problems and they don't have to go bug, bug somebody in IT and they don't need a programmer. They can do what they need to do themselves. And that's tremendously powerful, but it also, you know, it, it, it does kind of lock you into the system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a good way. Um, because you you know it's it's useful tools and they're not easily reproduced you know nobody else has them that that nobody else has them that i know of that are as easy to use um by your average user and so you know there's a there's just a you know providing that kind of value for the customer um is always i think always going to pay off because it's just not going to be easy to find that elsewhere yeah yeah that's 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 so true you know we're you know, if, like with AF, like I've, I've heard um, it, it said by people, you know, they're they're very leery about being locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that word comes up a lot. Oh, we don't we we can't be locked in. You know, uh, we need to be able to go into that database and we need to be able to, you know, cut, yeah. cut. We oh, need yeah. to be able to copy that. We need to copy it, you know, just straight away. We should just be able to copy the files. We don't want it encoded in some propri- proprietary format or whatever. 
That's... And all that's all that is definitely important. You know, the interoperability. Yeah. Uh, you know, the ability to to get your data in and out when you need to, or to you know glue pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it. That's a different kind of lock-in, like, you know, yeah. having a proprietary file format that you don't share, that's a different kind of lock-in. Yeah. These, these are kind of like the golden handcuffs, right? That yeah. you're locked in because it's so useful to you and because <laughs> you get so much value out of it and you can't easily find a replacement for that same yeah. value. Yeah. That's good lock-in, right? Yeah. So that's um, a, that's a, that's like, yeah. should be distinct, you know, that should be very, you know, because I, I hear like, you know, basically, we're going to get rid of the whole thing because we're locked in in this, like, this bad way, yeah, right? No, Even though, like, the lock-in is like, guys, there. <laughs> this yeah. is, you know, don't do it, you know, because yeah. you're going to give up this other thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that would be like using the using the handsaw because you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to get uh, locked into using the circular saw. Yeah, you don't want to use electricity, oh. you know, because that's like, you know, yeah. and now you can be dependent on it. And then, you know, not, you know, where before you didn't need it, now you need it. So, well, and that's always <laughs> been, you know, I mean, that's always, a, a, that's always just been kind of a fundamental economic concept, right? There's, there's always been people who have kind of tried to trick the system or play, play the games that, yeah, okay. Yeah. Your data is in a proprietary format and we're not going to let you know that format or we're not going to let you have access to it um, versus a, Hey, we've built a tool that's so good that you're not going to find anything better. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's honest lock-in right there. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, you know, oh yeah, we've got it in a proprietary format and there's no way to get it out. Uh, that's not honest lock-in, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, think there's a, I feel like these days there's a lot of bias one way or another with, with things around in these industrial systems that we work on. You know, there's, there seems to be some strong opinions. I've seen in both ways where, you know, some people really are kind of like, uh, uh, yeah, what we have, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, the cloud, all this other stuff really doesn't make sense. Uh, open, open source or open uh, formats and standards maybe don't, aren't, aren't really needed. Um, and, and, you know, we want to stay with what we have. And then, and then I've seen the other kind of extreme where it's like everything old is bad and we need to yeah. just do it new, right? And, and it's really like it's going to be in between. Right. And all as, as with all things, oh, yeah. you know, the and story it is not black been. and white, right? It's not yeah. black how and white. Many times, how many times in our careers have we seen these things happen, right? Yeah. And it's always, you know, I mean, technology is always kind of messy. I mean, but to me, like the most encouraging thing now is like, you know, we look at where we are in our careers now and, and all the different options that are available to us that, I mean, we couldn't have imagined 20 or 30 years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely wonderful what's out there. And, and also the fact that it seems like there's just more and more ways to glue the things together. I mean, you've got JSON and web APIs and gRPC and all this other stuff that are made to take, you know, Hey, if you've got one language that does something really well, you can build a microservice in that language and you can access it through a web API and you can write the rest in the other part or, you know, like with Python code, you can throw something together that works. It's quick and dirty. Mm-hmm. And if you run into a major performance bottleneck in one aspect of the code and you need to write it in C++, you can. Um, I mean, it's like, a, it's, I mean, how could we possibly be happier at the, you know, with the just array of tools and, and options that we have? Yeah, yeah. And, no, that's, um, yeah, that's so You know, true. and that's what I'm seeing, like, <laughs> even with the, so with the IoT stuff, you know, I mean, God, if I need to do something, I mean, there's, 
if, if I needed to do something mathematically to filter some data or something like that, you know, there's so many options available, so many tools in, in Python, you know, so many mm -hmm. different libraries that are available that I could use. And then, you know, we're sending the data into Kafka and, and, and Pi is one of the consumers, right? Because all the high value stuff and the things where we have to have that, you know, graphical interface for the users and the, you know, the analytics engine and event frames and all that kind of stuff, that stuff's going to go into Pi. But there's going to be other things that maybe we don't need to put in Pi right now, but that we don't want to throw out. And we're going to look at a secondary you know, mm -hmm. data store for that. Um, but later on, if I need to put some of that data into Pi, I can import it into Pi. If I want to take some of the data out of Pi and put it into something else, I can. Um, you know, maintaining maintaining that interoperability and, and the agility to be able to do that kind of stuff, I think, is the key. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, every, you know, I, I just kind of see, like, the, the search for utopia is something, I mean, certainly something I did early in my career. Um, yeah. And I think we all kind of outgrow it. You kind of become more of a pragmatist as you get older. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, hey, I love the shine. I love the new shiny, right? <laughs> um, the new shiny comes we out. All I'm all over. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, you showed me Python and I was, you know, or no, you showed me the uh, Angular stuff and mm -hmm. I got into Angular stuff. Um, I was at one of the the hackathons. I don't know if you remember Yevgeny. At, uh, uh -huh. Yeah. You know, I, that got me into Python and pandas <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. I saw what he could do, and I was like, I got to learn this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, this year I'm kind of looking at uh, my C++ has gotten a little rusty, and with the IoT stuff, you know, it's like, well, I kind of need to modernize my C++ skills, but then I'm kind of looking at Rust uh -huh. and, uh, you know, and <laughs> all the problems that it's supposed to fix and the fact that they're kind of building it where they can start building drivers in, in, in Linux and uh I uh, saw so another guy, uh, 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 you know, systems programmer for PLCs and stuff like that that was talking about Rust. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to look into that. Instead of getting better at C++, maybe I'm going to start to, you know, get a little bit good at Rust. So Yeah. I hear you know. I, I hear about Rust all the time. I, I think it's going to take over the world, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, it's again, it's one of those things yeah. that, like, if I can sit and build something in Python and Python works, then I'm going to build it in Python. Yeah, you know, if I get to where now I'm going to have perform, and this is one of the things with so with the IoT framework I'm working with, mm -hmm. you know, the core of it is in Python, and then there's lots of lots of it that's been performance optimized that's in C++. And so if you're building a plugin, like most of the plugins I've built so far have just been in Python. Mm -hmm. So I get there's a DNP three library, there's a Modbus library. Um, and I've been able to do a lot with that. So I can just very quick and dirty throw together a plugin in Python. Um, when you get to where you need, you know, Python, of course, has limitations. You've got the gill and it's not, you can't do multiprocessing and stuff easy and all that. So if you get to something that's more intense, more resource intensive and you need more control, of course, C++ is, is a way to do that. And it's easy to incorporate C++ libraries with Python. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you have to, you have to. Yeah. But uh, to me, it's just, it's nice to just have this quiver of tools, you know, and you go and you, you pull out the one that's appropriate for your, you know, for your particular problem that you're having that day. And, and you solve your problem as quickly as you can and you go on to the next problem. So. Wow, man. Well, I think that's a good point to, to end the show on. Um, I think, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with the, how exciting the times are. I mean, it, it, sometimes I have to, uh, you know, I feel like we have too many choices. Like when I go 
when we go decide what movie we're going to watch tonight and it's like oh man you know that's you know like an hour and a half later after looking at all the different uh, movies that we could potentially watch we finally right. decide on yeah. something because it's like so much right and we're in the same yep. world now where we have so many options of, of doing things and 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 there isn't like one size fits all and it's not black and white uh you know people are gonna uh you know make different choices based on their needs but yeah like what what do you really need what makes sense uh, if you're going to select a new technology uh, and, and the old technology is, is perfectly appropriate in, in a lot of cases too. So this don't get rid of it just because it's old, you know, it's probably still yep. okay. Um, so, so, Hey Rob, uh, thanks a lot for, you know, taking, taking the time out and being on the show. Um, I'm excited to get this out to everybody. I think they're going to, I think they're going to enjoy it. Um, if, uh, if, um, if people would, uh, if they want to contact you, you want to share some contact information. Sure. Yeah. Um, my email address is rob at raceman.com and the last name is spelled R-A-E-S-E-M-A-N-N. Uh, and if you go to raceman.com, that's my domain. So uh, I was real creative in the naming of my company. <laughs> Kept it. It's actually nice because Raceman's easy to Google and you're not going to find a whole bunch of other Racemans. There's yeah. A few. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, well, thanks again for uh, for being on the show, and uh, you know I wish you the best uh, for this year. I know COVID has been things have been weird, but hopefully we'll be getting back to some kind of normal life that we used to have, and uh, yeah. and we'll we can start uh, you know tackling all these problems. <laughs> well, and thanks for doing this, and and you know thank you for putting together the community that you have. Um, I'm uh, I'm bad, you know. I'm a I'm a raging extrovert, and if we're sitting in person, of course, you know, I'll sit and talk all night. Uh, but for some reason, this <laughs> the online stuff. Like after sitting in front of the computer, I'm just not social on the computer. Yeah. But uh, anyway, the community that you've put together, I think, is valuable, and uh, there's a lot of you know. I would encourage any any aspiring geeks to to hop on Time Lords because man, there's some talent on there. Yeah, so, I'm I'm really hoping that the community. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about the community. I'm hoping to see it grow and fought and yep. you know and flourish going going forward. And, uh, you know, it's, I think that, you know, we're just like, uh, you know, you don't want proprietary software, maybe you don't want proprietary communities. And this is a, like a open yep. source community, right? It's going to be everybody yep. or nobody. It's like, it's all up to us. So that's my, yep. my view of it. Um, yep. It's pretty awesome. All right. Awesome. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, okay, everybody, that's it for today. I'm Lonnie Bowling, and I hope you'll join me again next time for Time Lords Podcast. <laughs>